0: I won more premierships alone than the other he created,
1: managers. He has committed to get absolutely everything right now. And his fragment. Boys, we are here to ranch. James. We have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of
2: Good afternoon. And Patrick. Uh,
1: you were in a really heated first. race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. It be what? Conference.
2: I don't
1: have an option. I'm talking Worldwide. Welcome. Wow. wow. Yeah. Welcome. 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 Welcome.
2: To Prem de la Prem.
1: On today's episode of Prem de la Prem, we cure your Premier League blues with the London Blues. We sit down with two Chelsea fans, Carl and Miguel, to talk about the rise and fall of Sorry Ball, the second coming of Frank Lampard, and the promise of American wonder kid Christian Pulisic, and a whole lot more. Along for the journey, as always, was a dear friend and co-host—you all know and love him—Patrick Crowley. Yeah,
3: it was a another one that I think no no contention. Really very level-headed Still waiting debate. for that contention. Yeah, well, like yeah, we talked about it. We'll, we'll get it when things unravel for mm-hmm. one or more of these teams. Mm-hmm. But uh, bro, both uh, Miguel and Carl kind of brought the heat on this one, I think. Really passionate fans. From an intellectual fans. standpoint. Yeah, knowledgeable fans. Uh, real entertaining. They really carried us through this and mm-hmm. um, answered the questions that I think only Chelsea fans could answer yep. about sorry and about Lampard and the transfer ban and what the expectations are. Because if you listen to any of the other, other roundtables – None of the other fans have high hopes for Chelsea, so uh, we needed a little bit more of the inside scoop to mm-hmm. really understand this team than we might have, than some of the other teams.
1: Yeah, we really dove deep, and I think you made a good point on the last uh, one of the last few episodes where hope always springs eternal at the start of the season, so you're mm-hmm. not going to get a whole lot of contention. I think we got right. close to it here, but I'd be curious to bring some of these fans back at the first sign of danger and see uh, see how happy they are. Yeah, yeah. Myself included. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're, we're not immune from that possibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll let the interview do the rest of the talking. We will be back for a very special Friday morning opening ceremonies episode with a featured guest who you guys might be familiar with already. No hints elsewhere. Uh, but for now, strap in for the final installment of the Prem De La Prem Roundtable Series with Chelsea Football Club. Our interview with Carl and Miguel the Chelsea fans is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Having trouble finding the perfect candidate for your high-profile job?
3: Yeah. Spinning your wheels on people who just aren't quite right? I sure am. Unsure about the right fit for that managerial position? It's so tough. Well, look no more. ZipRecruiter is the perfect place to zero in on qualified candidates.
1: Yeah, um, before I started using ZipRecruiter, we had a manager we hired, and he just went on a lot of smoke breaks, and we couldn't really find him around the office. Um. There was an intern who we liked more. We really want to bring him in. Well, look
3: no more, James. Sign up today and receive five free resume matches. Cancel your membership at any time without punishment or ban, so you only get candidates when you need them.
1: Now that we use ZipRecruiter, we get top talent. ZipRecruiter, a place for jobs and for people. Thanks, ZipRecruiter. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem, where we've got the sixth and final edition Mm. of the Summer Roundtable Series. Patrick you're here with me obviously um, yes. I'm sad it's coming to an end you know I would have been happy to just push back the start of the season and do the, the roundtable series forever as I think our fans would have as well but all good things must come to an end and we're the Premier League season is right around the corner but before that we're gonna talk Chelsea Football Club we've got recurring guest Carl Mueller uh, very easy to schedule uh, so second time around he's back how you doing Carl <laughs> very well thanks for having me yeah, and then we've got our first inaugural guest, uh, Miguel Alvarez, over on the other end of the line. How are you doing?
2: Good, good. Hello, everyone.
1: Yeah, well, welcome to the show. It's good to have you both on the line, and we're excited to dive a little bit into Chelsea Football Club. Uh, Carl, you've already been on. Uh, it's pretty documented that you are the second most popular guest we've had on. <laughs> yes. So, yep. you know, Andy might have a few choice words to say to you. Okay,
0: but- wait, well, who's, the, who's the most popular? This is news to me.
3: Andy uh, and oh. Samora, Miguel, actually, you know. Oh, you yeah, know yeah, yeah.
0: No, I actually also enjoyed him more than myself, so yeah. I think that's totally legit. I'm good with that.
3: We'll, uh, he'll, he'll be making a surprise appearance on our next episode, so look uh, out for geezer. that. Caesar. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, Miguel, we kind of got a little bit of this already from Carl when he came on, but why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became a fan of the team?
2: Yeah, sweet. So, actually, I feel like FIFA was probably my number one introduction <laughs> to to european soccer True in love. general uh, with that said though growing up in the dc area i mean you know you had dc united and an epic era for the team which was a ton of fun one back-to-back championship so I, I was just a huge soccer fan to begin with and then when fifa really came around the world cup in 2002 especially was the first one that i really remember wow. my desire to kind of follow european soccer was really uh really taking off at that time so um what I actually what I actually um, did is like especially like after school, you you could always come home and watch like the Champions League games like around like three o'clock or whatever it was. The golden I think. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And so the one time uh, I remember coming home and watching actually in 2003, I believe it was uh, um, Chelsea versus Arsenal in the Champions League final. Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Champions League uh, quarterfinal, I want to say. And that was a year that I think... Uh, Sounds more likely. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've only and, got uh, one of those. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I just got to check that. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Champions so League well. quarterfinal. And uh, Frank Lampard came back to like win it. And so I started really following the team. I really liked uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank a lot as well. And then timing-wise, it just really worked out perfectly because uh, Jose Mourinho went on to um, you know, win the Champions League that year. And then he went to Chelsea. So just, I, I really mm-hmm. got into that year of the Champions League, and then timing-wise, it was just a really good era for Chelsea. And so yeah, that's kind of really how it,
1: convenient, yeah, it just took convenient off. time to come on. You yeah. went from DC United to Chelsea, a very natural progression in yeah. fandom. Yeah, and a city, King's club. Stay Kings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know.
2: To, and then, to, to, oh, I was yeah, just going to add. You know, to be honest, it made a lot. It made a lot of sense actually. Uh, Chelsea came to uh fedex field at the time and they played dc united and it was the most random game ever um but they played dc united uh and i actually remember getting tickets uh and you know made my family kind of drive me up to go watch that game so yeah so it was just all around convenience wise it couldn't have been a better time to be uh to starting to start following chelsea
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely a much more coherent story than what Carl gave us as to how he became a fan. It involved a few drunken nights and forgotten memories. Oh, yeah. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, no need to delay it anymore. Mm -hmm. Let's get right into it. Uh, I'm going to bring back a segment that I started on Arsenal. It's called Leading the Witness, where I'm going to give you a bunch of statistics that prove a point that I'm building up, and then you guys can can. Basically answer the question, which is how would you summarize Chelsea last season? So let's get started Uh, Here's how I've got it documented Summary of last season you guys go undefeated through up to the end of November and your first loss on the record is a loss away to Spurs It's a decent 2018, but i think the loss to leicester around christmas was when the tabloids really started writing that chelsea was pretty much out of the title race because liverpool was at the top city was the only team that would and eventually did catch them and then it all kind of fell apart in january and february four nil loss to bournemouth six nil lost to city fa cup lost to united and then obviously i feel like the the climax of the Turbulent season was uh, Keppa refusing to come off in that Carabao Cup final, which is still one of the most absurd moments in all of sports. Posh, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah, and uh, something I'm I'm curious to get your guys' take on because this was kind of what I what I saw as I dug into the stats was. It was almost a turning point in a positive way for the team, in that you guys climbed back from sixth place after that incident up to what ultimately became third place in a Europa League final. And even though Sari left, I think you can look back at it as relatively positive. So, with all that said, I'd love to get your take on your gut feeling of how the season went and what the f- what the f- what the feeling left in your in your mouth is with with Sari leaving Chelsea as well. Yeah, would you call it a successful season? Mm, thank you. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah, wow. Really use those stats as well, impressive,
0: yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, Um,
1: Wikipedia is a hell of a (laughs) site. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll I'll have first run of it. I I think the first thing I'll say is um, that for sure was a pivotal moment, um, the Kepa refusing to come off, but actually more because it revealed that the team still could compete. So yes, there was fast at the end, but the 120 minutes beforehand were actually really good football at a, time, City. Yeah. Yeah, at a time when we looked like we were falling apart. So that was a turning point. I do also think that the run-in after that, we didn't actually get notably better. We just, it's just everyone else imploded. Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, they all just fell apart. And, and we weren't exactly like, you know, our win percentage probably great. was credible, but not great. Yeah. yeah. We just held the line a little bit better. Um, so even after like finishing higher than it looked at that time, it still, you know, it still was just a bit of a rank season. Uh, and I think, yes, we were written off in January, but the football and the quality of that football had like, been a problem way before. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy with the final standings. I'm delighted that we are in the Champions League next season, not because of any expectations, only because it means that we don't have to travel across Europe and play on Thursday nights. Um, but but it, like
1: all in all, most I'm, prestigious I'm, night of the week. Right, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad to put it behind me. To be honest, so if I'm hearing this right, it's not really credit to Chelsea for finishing third and coming up against a terrible Arsenal in the Europa League final. It's holding a line in how all the other teams kind of threw it away. Yeah, and I think that is, in
0: fairness, like that is you know, if there are Spursy behaviours and whatever, that that's a Chelsea thing. Like we will, in the end, hold the line. And, yeah, I, and so I do like I just yeah,
2: I, com- yeah, I completely agree. I I just think uh, especially Tottenham going on this run and kind of mm-hmm. having you know competing priorities throughout the last end of that season, I think uh, I think definitely tipped the balance. But I mean the whole season just felt in somewhat like like controlled chaos in a way. Sorry was kind of moving the team along and kept us in range, but. I mean, every every week it seemed like there was something going on in terms of, you know, the team being somewhat unbalanced and mismanaged in some way. And It might have not have been, like, so much mismanagement as much as it may have also been just, you know, kind of tabloids picking up on every single thing that the club kind of did. But um, I definitely agree. I, I think that the other clubs, you know, having competing priorities, kind of going through their own stuff is, is what Chelsea really benefited from.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember reading in the papers, I think it was... After either the 6-0 loss to City or the United loss in the FA Cup, they came pretty close together. But I remember reading, like, "Sorry to be sacked tomorrow. Like, Mm -hmm. it got to that point. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he kind of kept his head held high and took, whether or not it was under the best circumstances with free-flowing football, took you to a respectable finish in the league. And now, obviously, with him gone, how do you guys view the treatment of Sorry? what his legacy was, and probably the impact the fans had on it? Because they had a few choice things to say about Sari's um, philosophy. Um, I, I
0: mean, I, uh, I'm i a bit embarrassed about how we behaved around Sari. I for sure think um, he did the best he could. I, I, I can't imagine the kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes. My, I assume everyone on the training pitch knew Hazard was leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I assume that at a boardroom, everyone knew the ban was coming. I don't know what the vibe was at the club, but he must have had you know problems we can't even imagine. So in, in that sense actually, I thought he handled himself exceptionally well and yeah. I, I'm a little bit like he had to go and I'm glad that in the end he wanted to go and it was almost amicable. but um, I, I actually, you know if we'd end up with another season with Sari, I'd have been okay with it and I would have actually just demanded more from the fans than from him. Well, it's it's
2: tough as well. I mean, the one thing that I really thought about throughout the season was how much, uh, like, how furious everyone really was about, for example, Jorginho and and Conte kind of being out of position or, or or playing in a different spot. Like, that was just one really good example of how, in some ways, it was it was slightly overhyped. I mean, the criticism Jorginho got, really, I mean, for coming into a new league and kind of adjusting a little bit, was was probably pretty pretty much I think a little bit higher than you'd probably see for most players, but all in all, I, I agree. There were just so many little things going on that kind of gave this perception that sorry, was really off when in reality, given all the challenges, I think he did pretty, pretty well. So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I think it felt somewhat unbalanced throughout the season and somewhat chaotic. So I, I'm, I'm glad he left in that, in that regard, but um, I, I hope that it doesn't necessarily continue moving forward as well.
1: What would you have have what would you have had him do differently? Was it the way he set his team out that made everything so chaotic or was it circumstances around him? You mentioned Hazard, you mentioned the transfer ban. Um, it and let's not forget that he walked into the champions of yeah. Italy as his new team. So yeah. he he left with credibility.
3: Yeah, I think Miguel brought up a good point which around the Jorginho Conte thing. I until just now thought it was the biggest blunder of a managerial decision all year long probably wasn't i think it was just that conte was coming off of a world cup where he was phenomenal playing the holding role and why wouldn't he play there any sort of a a loss there's an easy scapegoat everybody has an easy scapegoat Mm -hmm. and Jorginho, as stubborn as sorry was to play him in that role right or wrong that was where Jorginho was he became the scapegoat maybe unfairly for sorry and it kind of was a cyclical thing where he had two people to blame that were in their own little isolated chamber and the other situations around them. Transfer ban hazard leaving. You you might be losing Hudson-Odoi in the winter there. That was a concern. There were many things that just every team deals with, but you had these two people you could hyper-focus on and one of them's still there, mind you.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, we also, we bought Jorginho right under the nose of Man City. So it was like yeah. a. If we hadn't had played him, that would have caused backlash. Also, he was like a fifty right. million dollar player that yeah. we like. Mount City were gonna like turn into the greatest player mm-hmm. ever. So, I, I don't. Again, it's a different style of play. I I, I was never too. Listen, we were just, we, we were spineless in midfield. And the obvious answer is put your most destructive defensive midfielder in the most important spot. I, I totally get that. But, and I think I said that in the last pod, I was really up for just letting Sari try and get to some form of Sari ball. And mm-hmm. so I was very trusting that, like, the decisions he made were going to be the right ones. I think whatever. Even though it wouldn't make an exciting brand of football. Well, it, it, what, what does in the first year? Like, that's. I was, My assumption was year two. Solskjaer was nothing if not exciting. Mean, yeah. That's true. Emery's yeah. all press, no right. defense. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Czech, yeah. you have to pass it out on a goal kick. Okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have no other Poor choice. Ch- I mean,
0: he literally <laughs> retired Czech.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible.
0: But I. So I. I was just, I think the problem wasn't the starting 11. The problem was after 60 minutes, he would persevere with that starting It was just like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like, Midweek, why aren't you putting Kante in the like defensive midfield position? It was more, hey, you've been playing against Man City for seventy minutes and we're four nil down, maybe now? Right. The predictability like, of it the Kovacic Barkley yeah, sub on sixty right, minutes right. was the like, I think the that classic. was what infuriated like everyone can have a run with their starting eleven and he is like an expert manager, I assume that he's making good decisions. But when it's so obvious that what you're doing has been read and like you've been mm-hmm. called, mm-hmm. like, you've got to think differently. I think that's what chafed. Mm-hmm.
2: I, also, I also wonder, had it had it been a different manager? Like, I, I do wonder sometimes, you know, sorry comes in with, with an awesome degree of pedigree, and he definitely, I think, given enough time, I think things would have settled down. But it, it's interesting to think about bringing in a, a manager that doesn't have necessarily, you know, the proven titles um, to, to kind of back it up. I wonder if, if there were just a group of fans and group of people that just were constantly hesitant that this is the right direction and then you can add in all the other stuff and it just kind of throws everything off course chelsea
1: aren't exactly the
2: most patient fan base i mean that is probably the
1: worst team you would bring in a controversial manager to right and he also didn't just i think and it's it's just a bias i think not
0: nothing more but he doesn't fit the like sleek manager the like you know, he, he chewing cigarette butts and like <laughs> mumbling yeah, at that. press conferences and like giving weird. Exp- he just wasn't the soundbite manager that uh, England has fallen in love with. And I know Jurgen Klopp for a long time wasn't either. We were sort of getting used to this like coach role. But Sari just I think just gave off a weird vibe and we didn't know how to deal with it. And I wonder like mm-hmm. how charismatic he really is when he's speaking his mother tongue. And when he's like, I, I feel like we got like a shadow of who he really was. Yeah. Did you get the feeling he wasn't trying to endear himself to the fans? I definitely felt towards the second half of the season, it became like a war of attrition. And and it used to be with the Mourinho years, like the Chelsea dressing room versus the world. By the end, it just felt like sorry against the world. Yeah. yeah. It's possibly poor Jorginho, like,
1: at the end of some chain <laughs> next to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Miguel, you've kind of brought us to a really good transition from last season up to this season you talked about bringing in a different manager a manager kind of following this futuristic modern role of former player turned coach and that's exactly what you guys are getting in Frank Lampard club legend nonetheless uh, put into a situation of I think little pressure with the transfer ban kind of answering a lot of critics for him already as far as like who you're going to be bringing in you have a team that you get to play with Um, and you're kind of mitigating a lot of Chelseaism in that no one's going to be baying for Frank to leave, whether or not it goes well. You're going to be silent in the stands and kind of mm. let it happen. How do you guys look upon Lampard coming in as almost the opposite of Sorry, in that he's charismatic and um, you know relatively new to the role? Are you guys optimistic for the future with him?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's been this yeah this this overarching theme with Chelsea, at least since since I've been following that somewhat makes them seem slightly like callous and, and unwelcoming in some ways like they're like this big corporate team compared to to everyone else in the league who who has like this fan base. It, it's, it's just a feeling at least that I, I, I do think Chelsea gets somewhat of a judgment for um, you know not keeping young players for example, a, a lot of a lot of really yeah. good examples of, of how they, they kind of stick to this bigger corporate idea. Um, and so I think that in this way at least at least for now, it's a positive thing to have have at least this image of bringing in these former players. I mean, even even behind Lampard, seeing uh, Claude Makalele, I think I saw not too not too long ago uh, coming in to help out in the youth ranks. Peter Cech coming back in some capacity. Um, so just seeing these players somewhat come back makes makes that sort of uh, idea at, at least a little bit uh, quite diminish in, in, in sort of uh, in sort of its reputation. So. So, yeah, so I think at least right now, in my mind, I think that's a really important piece is, is kind of what what he's bringing and what these former players are bringing to the club can somewhat change that uh, that mentality a little bit.
0: Yeah, and um, I actually I completely agree with you, Miguel. I, I, for me, I have interpretations about how the season will go. I think I would have it, even if we got like a world-class manager and and like, you know, transfer ban and and everyone's like, it's just, it's, it's not going to be pretty, but I am grateful for like, there is like, there has romance, like just this, like the football spirit has kind of been missing for a little bit. Um, we, and our, like the Terry's and the Drogba's and the Czech's and the Lampard's kind of carried us through the corporate years a little bit, I think. Um, there was like still pride in the shirt that certainly again referring back to that kepper example yeah Last like it just was like wow this we've really hit rock bottom as, as far as like what we're here for and what we were looking for on the pitch so i'm, I'm super stoked to just feel good about being a Chelsea fan again but I i mean it's it's going to be brutal
2: yeah. <laughs> that it is it's so. going to be it's going to be a little rough at at first I, I yeah it's yeah right now I'm trying to I'm trying to stick to that uh that positive message and, and uh yeah kind of wait to but see I also goes, we so.
0: we are the team that like in the last five years we finished 10th we finished fifth we've won this like, I, I looked I, at your graph. It was one ten
1: one, w- and then at a 5 certain or point, like yeah, that. one yeah. 10, one five. And you're like,
0: when Mourinho does a
3: job, he does a job.
0: right. <laughs> and like, I think there is this, like, you know, um, very quick accusation of plastic fandom that I completely understand when you have, like, you know, a Russian billionaire owner. But I, the Chelsea fans have proven themselves to, y- Yes, we're hard on the manager, but we're good on the team. Like, we will, like, remain in love with that club even when things go real bad. So I, I have faith that we'll get through the season and sort of, I'm kind of glad now that we're getting the ban out of the way and just cracking on with it.
3: Yeah, I think that was kind of what I had anticipated. The feeling was hopeful for some sort of an identity rebirth with, with some very conservative expectations for this season. But let's talk about past this season. What, just fill in the blank for me, when Frank Lampard ends his term as the Chelsea manager, I hope he has accomplished blank.
0: Oh, that's a really good question. I, I, I mean, I hope he hasn't shot the bed. It's the first thing. <laughs> like, I just like for, for like, because I like generally he's club legend. So maintain I, his legend status. Ma-
1: well, well said. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, I hope he remains a
1: Chelsea Do you think legend. that's even possibly in question?
0: Oh, dude. I mean, listen, Solskjaer, like, yeah. Yeah. The peanut gallery can turn on anyone. Now I, people will always wow. have like a base level, but I just don't want anyone to regret this decision. To regret, like, you're right, he's never going to get, like, torn down. Um, yeah. But I just want, I just, like, if we if we take Frank Lampard away, then, like, what? Have You've got, got, like,
1: two or three players left.
0: Yeah, that's, like, the last ten years, like, that, that, yeah, I don't want that to go away. It's funny
1: you look at it that way. We talked about this on the United podcast, and I'm glad you're starting to make these Ollie-Frank comparisons, because mm. I was going to bring it that way, if we did, if you didn't bring it up. Um... I would argue that no matter what, like, it's very possible the season's going to be rocky at best, and Solskjaer might be to blame for that, and he might be found out as a manager. I don't think there will ever be ollie-out signs from the stands or booze directed at him, and even when he leaves, he will still be a player legend with infinite goodwill. And I don't think players would turn on Lampard at Chelsea. I
0: I have a hypothesis. Sorry, not players, fans. I I have one, which is, like, I think, like, especially these, like, ex-player managers who come in halfway through the season to, like, when the club is falling apart. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all well and good when you're just coaching Da. But, like, now Solskjaer's gone through a transfer window. Mm-hmm. And he's bought players at the expense of other players. And we all know how opinionated fans are and who it, like teams should bring mm-hmm. in and like Lekker. And so I actually, I think you fine judgment to be harsher now that he's had, you know, we always talk about he's got a transfer window. And, and that really reveals then, like, how thoughtful are you? As a, are you just like a great motivator, or are you actually building
1: a team? And I think he's gonna get found out, to be honest. I think he will get found out as a manager. Well, I'm just like coming out and saying it. I think yeah. he'll get found out as a manager. I do think one of the beauties of being human is the infinite spin zone that you can, re- can right. create. And I think we're gonna find ourselves making excuses for Solskjaer in that it's the lack of a technical director. Woodward's an idiot. It's not really gonna go yeah all on him. I love i love your optimism in the human spirit but. you seem very i'm gonna go ahead and say it carl you don't seem optimistic for this season really you're hoping things don't go bad uh
0: i mean no again like listen it's gonna be it's gonna be great fun we've got all these kids <laughs> playing like but i just i've seen every team around us get stronger and we weren't competitive last season so that's nothing to do with like it's just it's not Optimistic, it's just realistic. I think you know, I'm worried about Leicester, I'm worried about Wolves, I'm worried about Everton, I'm not Mm. worrying about Tottenham, and I'm not worrying about Liverpool. Like, I'm and I don't mean that you know, Alan Hansen, you can't win anything with kids. Like, I'm not going to make that kind of blanket statement. It would be awesome if we'd like have a run or something, yeah, but but I'm just yeah. I mean we'll get into you're the looking details down of instead position. of looking yeah, at the yeah I think so and city. I think frankly yeah. we all should I think we're in the glory oh, years like, it's going to be I great mean, Yeah, the narrative yeah.
2: of this entire podcast is top four looking like a snack yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's, it's interesting to think about like yeah what, what exactly a uh, uh, successful campaign looks like but I, I think a lot of it's also going to come down to you know playing style and because it's one thing it's one thing to have too many games against big opponents and, and lose games you know six zero, 0 like like has happened in the past. But mm. it's another thing to like go in and, and have some close games and and knowing everyone knowing that this is somewhat of a transition year, you have the band, you have all these obstacles and challenges. But if you can at least have a season where game wise there's some some moments of optimism where you're beating, you know, some of some of the, the biggest opponents in the league, you know, having a, a decent run in the Champions League, you know, at least meeting some expectations. I think people will probably be um, you know, a little more forgiving of Frank Lampard. The other thing for me is, I mean, to think about is, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, comparing to Ole is there, but I think the other the other option is to compare to Pep and say, you know, could could Frank Lampard have a have the type of season yeah. where he's really able to like set an identity on a team? I agree. The only challenge is going to be that the the transfer ban doesn't allow that to to really happen. So hopefully, at least in terms of mentality and playing style, he's able to kind of put that on the team and they'll have some some positive games that will at least uh at least really continue the the passion for the fans and we'll buy them some time
0: miguel can i ask only because i rarely speak to chelsea fans would you have tried to keep sari or are you happy that we sort of let that like and, and went to life? how are you feeling about the manager change
2: i feel like whenever there's a a year that's as tumultuous as as that one was in particular the kepa moment i mean even even around the you know the uefa cup uh um, you know uh, final I remember there being moments of like are things okay in the dressing room I remember reading about like all those types of things I, I think do add to distractions and, and I don't know for, for me there were moments throughout the year with Sari where I was disappointed in terms of how the team's mentality really came across uh, some really big losses and, um, and I, I don't know so ultimately I feel like I feel like the the European run was good um, but in the league, there, there were definitely some gaps. And so I, I feel okay with the fact that Sari is gone. I feel like it was just too tumultuous, especially for a first year. Um, and so I, I think it's okay okay that he's gone, at yeah. least in my mind. But. Yeah,
1: agreed, yeah. Let me ask you a question about managerial future. Uh, how okay with this scenario would you be? Frank Lampard lasts as long as a transfer ban does, and then you bring in someone like an Allegri. And you're really treating Lampard like an interim manager who's building some form of club identity, uh, building up the young players. And then you bring in an, an experienced manager to take the club forward. Um,
0: yeah, good question. Again, I worry that might happen. I I, I, I don't know why I'm trading in negatives. I, I am like stoked about the season starting. But I... I that, you can't help but always your mind goes there a little bit where when you don't have like a premier manager Mm -hmm. you're just assuming that we're just you know no one was available blah 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 um utopia is still that lampard reveals himself i think Pep's a great example of like actually just needed a position and a club that backed him and is you know has just got a football mind Mm -hmm. and i would love that if not that, yeah that's that's i hope he gets again like always i feel like every manager deserves a transfer window and given that right. there is now a two season uh, sorry two window ban i really um, hope he does get two years just so that he really gets a run at it
3: yeah i mean i think what in the recent years what has plagued chelsea managers if they've lost one of the three they've lost lost the fans they've lost the dressing room or they've lost the board or One of those other two things has taken precedence in the board's eyes. I'm thinking Conti in that respect. He really lost the dressing room and then the board was like, it's got to end. I think the advantage you have with Lampard is he has an extension in all three of those facets. Mm -hmm. The fans will likely give him the full year without much consequence. I mean, even worst case scenarios, you're going to have the transfer ban as an excuse. You're going to have his first season as an excuse. You're going to have, you know possibly some injury everyone's yeah. going to get injured there's going to be reasons to not scapegoat him from the fan perspective yeah. and I do think that the trend that is playing more positively across across all teams is getting managers that have like, inherent respect from their players by being players um, Simone I think is one who yeah. really makes the absolute most of the tools that he's given mm-hmm. um, not wasn't wasn't a you know superstar mm-hmm. player, but he is able to draw something out of those players that they clearly can't do anywhere else. You know, not all of them, but many have come back to him and then revealed themselves to be great yeah. talents yet again. And so, I think that he has those three things really that will last him at least a year. Yeah. I don't think the board or the dressing. I don't. I, don't, I think the boards are going to be the first thing to turn on. Yeah. Truthfully, and I think that their priorities versus their bottom line
1: will be the first thing to go before the fans of the dressing right. room one, especially well, with the young players. Academy players, like they grew up yeah. looking up to this guy. Especially. You kind of, you kind of touched on this, but I think something you guys could be excited about for this season. It's not the sexiest thing, but you almost have a blank check of a season, and you can make whatever of it without too much repercussions. If you don't make Champions League, it's like, yeah, well, look at everything we had against us. And I don't know. I think there is something exciting on in there that you can build on. Yeah, I agree. Um, well let's bring it from the manager to the players on the field You guys are trotting out at Old Trafford Next Sunday, oh. also my birthday. <laughs> oh, oh god, I hope to ruin that!
0: Yeah, you'd, you'd oh, like that, you? Yeah, I'd love that. Wow. Oh, that's so hard. But additional stakes, yeah. oh, the stakes, to be such the stakes a... have never been. I mean, higher. what a great season opener for Is both of Is it at, at Old Trafford? At Old Trafford. Oh, so you really you, you need oh, three points, right? Oh. oh, need three points.
1: And I, full, I fully expect three points. <laughs> uh, I'm Okay, sure, that's cute. Well, let's yeah. talk about your squad. Oh. Incoming
3: Pulisic Masterclass. Mm. Yeah, no, I
1: mean. Say it with with jest, but that is my exact question. How are we lining up this team as far as the experienced heads you have? I'm looking at like the Willian and the Pedros who are, you know, models of inconsistency (laughs) and getting older by the year. Uh, versus all this exciting young talent that you can put into a lineup. You know, Pulisic came in. Mason Mount. Uh, Hudson Odoi is injured for a yep. little while. Yeah, Ruben loftus is, is, is injured, injured for a little but, while. But, but
0: trending towards recovery f- as faster than
1: we feared. So. Right. Yeah. Well, talk to right. me about. How, I guess your lineup for the first game, and then extend that into how you want to approach a lineup for a season and the players that you want to have a look in.
0: Miguel, you go first.
1: I'm interested to hear what you think.
2: Yeah, so I mean, in terms of lineup, I, I think that the pre games have been a little bit a little bit telling, actually, uh, in terms of uh, at least what, what Lampard's leaning towards. So um, it seems like obviously Kepa, um, you know, Aspilicueta, Christensen, Zuma, Emerson uh, for sure in the back. Uh, the interesting piece, just because of health, is is uh, Conte. But I, so I I think it's going to be Kovačić uh, next to Jorginho in the midfield. You know, interestingly, also yes. players like Mason Mount and Pulisic have an opportunity because of uh, because of injuries. And so Mason Mount uh, seems to be a favorite in the middle, kind of in that attacking midfield position. And then you have, uh, I think, out wide, uh, Pedro and Pulisic for now, I think, is going to be is going to be out wide. Uh, and then Abraham's uh, up top. uh just because it seems like, again, from the preseason games, that's at least the direction. Tammy Abraham up top. Yep, Tammy We're Abraham.
1: We're in the number nine, I believe. Oh, right. Really? What a right? statement.
2: <laughs> oh, God,
0: okay. Um, I I completely agree. I am surprised. I still, I will, I don't want to live in a world where David Luiz is a Chelsea player and not running rampage on the on the field. So I, I'm hoping he gets in alongside Christensen. Um We do have a tough start of the season with injury, I agree. I I also think Kante is in the, like, traveling squad, and he's the kind of player he doesn't need to train. You can just throw him in. Right. Um, So I'm hoping it will be Emerson on the, and then we'll have- Are we off
1: the Marcus Alonso train? What happened there? No one should be getting in a vehicle. <laughs> well, <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Ouch! Ouch! that joke kill. <laughs> I half teed it up. I was like, "Is someone?" A holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Move past that. Oh, oh god. Um, I. So I you're f- getting you're getting
0: off that. Track. I I feel bad because it's not like I've seen anything from Emerson that makes me think he yeah, should start. Right? Like I just. Right. It's just he is. And he, you know, Alonso, he gets goals. He hasn't killed anybody. Right. First of all, <laughs> he gets goals. On the wings. But he doesn't... He doesn't... No, no, we get it. Alonso <laughs> yeah. killed someone in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but I, for some reason, yeah, I think the tide's just turned. Like, I, I, we, I can't see Alonso credibly starting anymore. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I've been really impressed with Mason Mount. I, I have been... I find myself being quite harsh on Chelsea youth players. I don't know why. Um, I find, you know, Callum is like, and same with Tammy Abraham. Like, I know that they've shown flashes, but I'm not willing yet to like, um, bet, bet the horse on them. So, um, I don't know. But I could see Mason Mount starting. And I think I would happy to see it. But it's like, at at Old Trafford against Man United, yeah. you're going to play Mason Mount. Yeah, it's terrifying. That, I, mean,
2: I feel like the you injury... The, I'm sorry, sorry j- ahead, j- just no, the no, injury no, piece. Go. The injury piece is just, I feel like, leading Lampard to to, to make some right. risky risky decisions here. And I I, I don't know. I, my, my take is that Mason Mount is, is high on his list, right? I, I, yeah. I do know, Carl, if you feel the same way, but it really seems from these preseason games that he's really banking on Mason Mount, making a, a, a complete surprise and, and really shining during the season.
0: Yeah, and I will say, and I'm sure we'll get to this, like a full-strength Chelsea squad I mean I like what I see. I, there's oh. a lot of things I don't like what Yikes. I'm seeing. James has just pulled up the <laughs> I new was about to number. try and prove the exact no, opposite. No. No, again like if you, like especially at number 10 we could be playing Loftus-Cheek uh, Mount uh Pulicic. like we have like I feel like our attacking midfield is like remains surprisingly good despite Hazard right. leaving. I'm worried about our um, striker, but I don't remember a season where I haven't been worried about a striker <laughs> since Drogba left. Like, honestly, like- Costa. Costa, Costa was great, Luzet. but even yeah. then you were like, he's gonna get sent off. Right. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't, you know, the last time I felt good about a strikers was when Drogba and Anelka were up front. Those were the glory <laughs> days. Is, oh, is, uh, right. One the, United in the, the, the Champions Hulk. League.
3: Yeah. Is <laughs> Bad Shui out on loan? No, no, he's, he's still around. It's, it's, it's
1: like a recall.
3: It's- uh, I was gonna right. say, I mean, that guy seems to just- score goals wherever
0: I, he goes I, so I, I don't wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he has a season he seems Absolutely. I
1: don't know he seems unwanted everywhere he's gone
2: he seems unfazed by it too I think he was say. at three Batman. What, like three different clubs last year something like that like he just transferred yeah. with Crystal with. Palace Yeah, and he did I thought he
0: did pretty good at Crystal right. Palace but for some right. reason he just was he's always Evan's second striker and so it's yeah. hard for him to get it a run tough. in the team
2: so Carl th- well, thoughts on thoughts on Barkley though before moving on thoughts on I, I, Barkley I,
0: I uh, like, I inherently dislike the guy, so that probably skews my reaction. Can you like, elaborate on that? Well, I just think he's a bit of a shit. He just looks a bit shitty. Everything about him just sits uncomfortably with me. Uh, he, But, again, like, actually, like, first of all, how great was he when he broke into the Everton team? Like, yeah, back in the day, everyone was like, he's going to be the next Rooney. And then like, he went
1: to the England World Cup. And, and that then, the and
0: then as with everyone, like, exactly, international duty destroys him. And then, uh, but and then last season he came back and he looked crazy good. He looks like this, like muscle machine. And then it just revealed itself that even a fit Ross Barkley it isn't actually that good yeah. because it just went nowhere. But he's Being also had a good preseason season right. I don't know if right. you've seen, but he scored yep. some
1: sweet free kicks. Right. Mm-hmm. Well. Conversely, Willian is wearing your number 10 shirt, and yeah. I think that really sums up the state of Chelsea. Yeah, okay. And
3: I just pulling it up uh, 11 matches, five goals for Batch last year at Crystal Palace. Yeah. That's not bad. That's, that's yeah, fair. not Good. bad. I that's mean, when you're going up against bad. Christian
1: Benteke, you're going to get the look in. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we got the squad up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's going to get a look in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys gave up Rob Green? He's out? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. Think, he's, I think uh, he's probably. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the excitement of his uh, on his face when he lifted the Europa League trophy as yeah. the third string goalkeeper. Yeah, was lad. Well
0: deserved. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Miguel. Thoughts on um, William at, at uh, and the number ten. I'm interested to. Wearing I feel like the number ten or in the playing the not just, num- just wearing the number okay. ten. I feel like a Chelsea fan might have a slightly different relationship to Willian than a non-Chelsea fan. I'm keen to hear what you think, Miguel. <laughs> um,
2: hopefully, I'm I'm going to land exactly where you think I'm going to land. Uh, oh right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Are you so, a Chelsea fan or a non? Yeah, <laughs> <fan>? <laughs> yeah. True blue or not? Yeah. So, uh, so no, I, I feel like I feel like Willian has been in some ways a really exciting player and, and, and someone who's, who's fun to watch at times. And again, just, just inconsistent and, and tough to see. So, but again, this is one of those decisions that for me in terms of what it meant was kind of Lampard coming in, trying to make sure that that he's keeping a balance and keeping a sort of positive vibe on, on the team and, you know, rewarding someone that I think he, he feels, uh, you know, should be at the club and, you know, just, I, I think an overall sign of him moving out moving in. So, I think a good sign, just in terms of giving the giving the guys that have been around uh, for a while a good a good uh, mini reward there. And then, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's tough. I, I was somewhat hopeful that Pulisic would somehow magically just just get it, but at the <laughs> same time, I think William mm. uh, somewhat deserves it.
0: Yeah, I also my so I uh, completely agree. So landed that opinion perfectly. <laughs> I also think like William plays better without. Hazard we always knew that and so I do think again I I think we'll see a slightly different more mature more I'm like remember that season where William was our top scorer and he could not miss a free kick Mm -hmm. and it was because Hazard was injured for basically half a season I do think like he is a bit of an elder statesman I think if you were in training you probably see Mm -hmm. that he probably is like the like at the moment most talented winger we have Mm -hmm. um and I it sits uncomfortably with me just giving like two young kids just the number 10 shirt. Right. Like that should be something you earn. It's not something that should be part of contract negotiations, Hudson-Odoi. It's not something that like, you've never played for Chelsea before you come in, you just get the number 10 shirt. Yeah. T- I just feel like you've got to earn that shirt. It's yeah. a big shirt.
1: I don't know if it's an indictment, but I agree. I don't, oh. I don't think anyone else Oh, would. Chelsea fan also. Ah. <laughs> no, I, I'm saying I who else Who else would you give it to?
0: I mean, I, I would have thought if anyone Hudson-Odoi but it just—I wow. didn't like—I didn't like the way he asked for it. If he, if that's even true, like oh, is I, that is that reported that was part of like he it. was gonna like yeah he wants like hundred k and the a little shit. Uh, you know he, I'm like I, I'm still waiting for him to prove like he, he, I know he's done great things in the like youth FA Cup but let's let's see what, <laughs> let's see <laughs> oh, right, what you've right. got. Yeah, well, that's right
1: yeah well let's let's talk about the boy wonder, the uh, American boy wonder Christian mm-hmm. Pulisic. He is probably identifiable as the player in to replace Hazard in the sense that he's the one player who's come in but obviously that's such an unfair comparison for a kid at such a young age what are your expectations for him this season
2: and what would you consider positive signs I feel like he's gonna so so for me I mean one is he's gonna get one heck of an opportunity I think to really play uh and that's primarily because there's there's some injuries so Uh, On that side, he's going to get lucky and and get some some goes in in some really important games. And from what I've seen in preseason, I mean, there's some really incredible potential there and and the ball somewhat playing through him. So for me, you know, I I think I think uh, a season where, you know, he's up there and and, uh, leading in some ways with assists or something along those lines would be successful. Not necessarily expecting him to be a clinical finisher from the moment he arrives. But I, I do hope that he's able to somewhat adjust to the game um, in, in, in terms of the strength and physicality of it and and, uh, and at least, you know, really show his class through somewhat playmaking. So you think he'll get a decent amount of playtime? I do mostly because of injuries. I I I think that I think that the injury piece right now is what's gonna lend itself to to him giving getting some some time towards the beginning of the season. But uh, do I think he's gonna be consistent starter throughout it once everyone's kind of back i mean he's going to be competing there um just just alongside Loftus cheek and everybody else so i think it's going to be a competitive time for him
3: yeah i I think you want it to be competitive i think the other element too is easier uh third highest ever transfer fee in i think part of that was due to the incoming transfer ban you had to you had to to probably overpay a little bit um but yeah, I, I I absolutely expect him to get a run in, a decent run in. And I I'm, I'm rooting for him as an American. You know, you want to see an American succeed, not just overseas. But I mean, I kind of feel like the Premier League is the litmus test for you know, if you I, mean, I don't expect one of them to go to Real Madrid or Bayern. You know, I don't expect yeah. an American to do that. So, being able to compete in the Premier League and at a top 6 side, I'm hopeful for him. Um I think he showed a lot of things. He's only 20. You know, I I would hate part of me would hate to watch him become this Chelsea legend for 10-15 years and, and just tear up the Premier League another part of me would just be so thrilled because that would you know accelerate the American game and the Premier League's popularity in this country I think is a big thing it would a, a be great thing. for the sport in America. yeah it would really yeah. hurt me in another way
1: and in transitive property it would be great for this podcast oh yeah oh nice yeah our Super. our fate is tied to Christian Pulisic <laughs> and therefore <support>. Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We are so we are indebted.
0: A in indebted to Chelsea podcast. We're indebted to Karl Mueller Yeah. And Chelsea. yeah. <laughs> hey, I. By the way, for what it's worth, I feel like I actually feel really good about him. I feel like he has been at Dortmund, which I know to be like that is like the, I think he's already had the litmus test. It's the club for raising yeah. It's a t- exactly it's a right. Fire. Like I really do think that, and I and I and I also think, and I think we all want wingers to succeed. I think that's the other thing you want, like when you see talent yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I think he'll play we'll quite a bit, chances. especially early on. I'm sure he'll like do that thing where he'll have like five great games and then we'll like fizzle out for 10 and everyone will jump on him and it'll be terrible. And that's just the nature of right. like a new player in a new league. That's showbiz. Yeah, that that's exactly it. I actually feel generally, and I don't know, like, I feel like better about him than I feel about Hudson-Odoi. Mm. I think Hudson Odoi is going to come in with like a certain sense of entitlement that worries me. Like I think Pulisic is just there to work hard and break into the team. I sure. generally feel like he's just like I don't. This is my season where I prove myself. I feel like Callum has like somehow skipped that beat and it he's feels just like, like he's had that he, season he, last season. He like we have like already like made him a Chelsea legend and he's played like five Premier League games. Do you think there's more pressure on Pulisic? No, no, actually, I think if anything, it's more pressure on Hudson, that's probably why I'm worried about him. I think Pulitzer's really, like, Mm -hmm. we all know he's, like, a good player. We all know that he wasn't, like, an automatic star at Dortmund, so no one's expecting him to, like, come in and, like... Displaced by Jadon Sancho. uh, uh, And, by the way, again, saw Borussia play, I think, this weekend and saw some Sancho go, like, fair
1: enough, that guy is amazing.
0: Like, you know, that also game-recognized game, it's no problem that, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I remember. Let's let's say on Hudson Adoy. I remember the last time you came on, we mm. had a bit of a contrasting opinion about the Bayern transfer situation, where I thought, from an outside perspective, he was being a little hard done by Chelsea, mm. um, just not getting a run in, blocking a transfer, still not playing him. And you very much had this this perspective of pay your dues. Mm. What have you done to deserve this special treatment? And it seems like you're kind of carrying that into the. The new season looking at him
0: yeah i just honestly i think and maybe that's because of just the like even man united the generation uh, of like players that i admired and that i still see as like the model professional football player gary neville yeah, I, <laughs> hey i won't hear a bad word said about gary love neville. him yeah. yeah but and it's just like i do expect that i don't i, I don't know it makes me like he has lots of talent but not like crazy talent where at 16 he was in the first team and he was scoring all the time like so i just i'm slightly like concerned for him that he's had a bit too much smoke blown up him mm. and yeah. i just hope that like i hope he signs a contract i hope he sticks close to lampard i hope the likes of willian and pedro teach him a little bit about you know what it takes to like you know compete mm-hmm. at the top level and i hope he has a decent season but i don't really think this is going to be like his team or his season, yeah.
1: uh, Miguel. Let me ask you this one quickly: Who's going to be your top scorer next season?
2: Uh, that's a great Unlucky question. Miguel. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a challenging one. To be honest with you, I, I think Pedro is going to going to probably, in terms of consistency, it, <laughs> out of out of this squad, in terms of knowing the competition, kind of being used to all of this, and probably having a pretty healthy season. I think he's probably going to be up there uh, in yeah. my opinion. So, so I would put him up there. I think there. that's
1: who I would have said as well. Yeah, not that that's, that's a good a
2: sign. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I do think he's going to be probably up there. I, I think that's a great answer. I, I
0: still, I, I still, I cannot get past that like half season William had when, you know, everyone else was injured. I, I could see William doing very well, at least for, at the, at the start of the season. Uh, like, uh, Miguel, I'm like, I don't think it's going to come from our strikers. Um, I just, I just don't see it. I, if if any of them, then m- maybe Batshuayi has like done it, but I'll probably get like a couple of late game hat tricks, you know, <laughs> one of those that like inflate his numbers, but like were completely meaningless. Yeah. I feel like he, that's he comes on to the on striker he is. Yeah. And he'll get to, like, Sheffield. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. He'll get to like five goals in 11 games, but yeah. like no one remembers the goals. They'll be like that. Oh, so Lukaku. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: Uh, I'm waiting for you to say Giroud. Oh, yeah. I think it goes without saying. He's oh. he's he's going to be in the running for the golden boot
1: this year. Oh, for There's sure. There's no doubt yeah. about it. We're building a team. Of I think it was, a, it was a question of who was the better secret agent, Czech at Arsenal or Giroud at Chelsea. <laughs>
3: Clearly Czech. Clearly Czech. Yeah, he looked every bit of uh, Chelsea's sporting director in that, in that Europa League final. <laughs> What's that, Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, boy. yeah um, Pat, did you have other topics you want to touch on before we get into prediction? No, i really
3: wanted to dive into the managerial stuff. I really did. I thought that was the that's the big beat of the matter yeah. with Chelsea to me is understanding how you finish third win the Europa League and shuffle a manager out and, and how do you how do you recover from that with the transfer ban. I think the logistics yeah. around Chelsea are a little bit more interesting than their squad right mm-hmm. now. I don't think their squad's as bad as people are making it out to believe. Thank you. I think that too,
0: by the way. No. I think like that's the th- and like, you know, Puricic is a new player coming in. It's not like completely devoid of an injection of like I feel like it's a fresh squad. Yeah. I'm I like I look f- at it, I don't recognize yeah. like I'm I don't it's not like it doesn't feel like your usual transfer ban season. There um, will be competition for places. Right. And yeah. I wish we had better and by the way we haven't even talked about Reese James, who is like I've got like a thing about. I'm hoping that he will just really have a breakthrough season. Yeah. Um and I, I actually you know I feel I I do think we have a fresh and interesting squad and I think we have a top six squad and then it's down to Lampard whether he can actually like bring us there and the problem with this thing is like no one wants 5th and 6th like I I feel like that's what's so exciting about this season right I know it's like no one wants to end up in the Europa League next season but I don't know yeah we'll see
1: yeah um Miguel why don't why don't you uh give us your top six
2: predictions Oh, that, that one's tough. Just uh,
1: uh, send us out on a good note.
2: So so I mean I I, I still think Liverpool uh, I think I think Liverpool will, will come through probably and, and, and win the league. Uh, wow. I think You're the uh, first person outside I'll, of our Liverpool roundtable to say <laughs> I'll that. Take, I think I, I, I oh, just true. I just can't really I know there's inconsistency on that team, but I just can't imagine them them not coming in with, with really one priority while other teams I think are still somewhat managing their priorities um so Man City uh next I think uh tough to see Tottenham not be in third I think although they haven't necessarily completely bolstered their squad I think in terms of consistency and proven pedigree there I think that they're going to feel a little bit more confident going into things um I'm I'm really hopeful that Chelsea Chelsea's able to somewhat maintain go and and, and get <laughs> yeah. that and get that fourth spot yeah um, yeah and then uh, and then I think uh, I actually think uh, Arsenal will probably be next and then Man United at six. Yeah, well, well, that's one <laughs> man's opinion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow! Oh, <it's> <laughs> wow! Well, um,
0: I'm going to have to go Man City uh and then liverpool although actually at this point i almost like i'd be fine with liverpool winning the league i feel like they've deserved over. it's all i've got left yeah i'm (laughs) scrapping for fifth and fourth
2: place um
0: tottenham for sure third um i too am gonna go chelsea just because it would be like yeah you're on the you're on the podcast you want yeah exactly but uh but i but if i were if there was a team i was nervous about it would be arsenal i just think that like we talked a little bit about this previously like with that uh, front three, now I think that's going to unlock Ozor. And I just think like transition and attack is going to be terrifying. You have terrible, terrible defenders. Yeah, the, It's not the end of the transfer window. I Shot wonder horror. if yeah. somehow... Don't, don't
3: miss an Arsenal game. There will be fireworks right. on both ends of the field. So
0: I, I also um, would go fifth, Arsenal, sixth. Man United I could also totally see a world where Man United finished fourth and Chelsea finished sixth. I'm putting I'm putting Chelsea at fourth because I have to
1: because it would be defeatist not to. I convinced myself last week United was going to make at least fourth place and now I'm Wheeling back on that. A I just bit. I just don't understand
0: what uh, I know this is not a Man United podcast but like where we're it always weak, is where we count <laughs> From the start of the season, yeah. and I just don't understand. Like, I get Harry Maguire. Wow, how long did that take just to pay eighty right. million? And I just don't understand. Like, executive masterclass. Is, what? What? Where is? Where is this new Man United that's going to take you to fourth? To be fair, we don't need to talk about it. To
1: be fair, I think if you watch <laughs> the preseason, you're you're seeing this philosophy come together.
0: I know, but yeah, fair. Okay. Anyway, well, yeah, uh, you, I you keep I, telling yourself that, mate. Can yeah, I say yeah. something
1: really quick? You
3: may, but after I say something really quick. The, Can I talk the, to you for a minute? The thing that I think is real, <laughs> about that both that both United and Chelsea have, they have relatively strong spines and strong defenses. Yeah. They're not going to you know, bungle their way out of games. You know, it's going to be a situation where if it's there for the taking, it's mm-hmm. going to be there for the taking, it's going to be whether or not they take it. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas Arsenal, I can't say that it's going to be there yeah,
0: for the Yeah, I taking. think Arsenal is just the Who wild card. scores Cup. more goals. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't, Arsenal, yeah. don't miss an Arsenal game this yeah, season. Yeah, They're exactly. going to be phenomenal. I, th- the- I really, and like, I am so excited about that front three. And I really, like, I'm so excited. Yeah. Like, I've always, like, uh, maybe because, uh, you know, German heritage, I've always, had, I've, I like Ozil. I want him to be Ozil. Like... um you know, more likely, more likely, Azel will be Azul than Sanchez will be Sanchez. Um, I forgot
1: he was in the team. I mean, <laughs> the, the, your freaking bank statements have not forgotten. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. Um, Miguel, I want to drop you a shout out really quick because I think you touched on something that just kind of dawned on me. I think City, when you talk Liverpool City, who's going to win the title? City behind closed doors would admit they really want to win the Champions yeah. League, right. and that's what if that's all they accomplish this season, they would be fine with that. Liverpool behind closed doors would say we just want to win the Premier League. Yeah, and maybe you're gonna get a little bit of that creeping into team yeah. selection and how you rotate the squads, and that could pave the way for a Liverpool title and City trying to go deeper in the I, Champions League.
0: I still don't think, uh, and I know they were they had an incredible season last season. Like I just still don't see Liverpool as a like anything but a like playoff side, like a team that like on the day will smack you.
1: That might be our soundbite.
0: And, and, but like <laughs> over like 30 plus games will just not bring it over the line. That's how I see it. And that might be just like the old type. but I just don't. I, I still think Man City, like they eat premiership games in their sleep and then like they show yeah. up for the... Like I feel like Liverpool, every game is like, holy shit, it's a war. Like, you've really got to go for it. And and they did so well last season, but I don't know if that's sustainable. But hey, I could be totally wrong and I'd be mm-hmm. fine with that. It's,
2: it's really it's really clear to me, though, that just, I mean, just looking at those teams, I mean, it's there, there's just no way that they're just yeah. going to end up ha- having like a similar year that they did last year. If you look at some of, those, some of the games both of those teams had, I mean, there were some games where both of them just squeaked by in some capacity. Yeah. So it's going to be like just a matter of like, okay, who gets lucky in some of these cases and and what's able to separate them but yeah. um and, and and i think that's ultimately what's going to make the difference
3: it was like two teams of destiny going at it in mm-hmm. the same yeah. year yeah yeah i, I think it was
2: the second and third
3: highest point total in the premier league I mean, history. incredible right? yeah v- only top only by bested by city yeah. Yeah. Prior.
0: and, and yeah. like no regrets what a season what, what what a thing to watch
1: yeah oh my god Guys, this has been such a great discussion. Miguel, thanks so much for coming on. Carl, good to have you back. Yeah. Um, we'll hit you up at any time in the day, and I know you'll be here. Yeah, I dude, I, this, I love this it's so awesome. much. Yeah. Uh,
0: hey, Miguel, thanks for I just I don't get to wait, before talk to Before we
3: Fields. go, from all three of you, I need Chelsea United score predictions. Match week oh, one. Oh,
0: fuck. Okay, sorry. Okay. Who wants <laughs> to go first? M- Miguel, you go first, because <laughs> I'm going to just go hang this one.
2: Oh, God. Uh, score predictions of Chelsea United, you said? Yeah, match week one um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with uh just just from preseason seeing the number of goals that we've let up i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say it's gonna be like three to two and chelsea will will take it Ooh, i think that's that's a great shout i i i just
0: i don't see us scoring three with those strikers at old trafford so i actually think we might lose and i think we might lose like 3-1 but um
1: but I'm okay with that. Here's my genuine prediction of someone who gets let down on a frequent basis. I see nil-nil in our future. I think it's a draw. I think it's a draw as well. I see a low scoring draw, nil-nil, one-one. Well, I'm
0: I'm hoping Miguel's right. um, I'm sure you do. I'm (laughs) done with that.
1: I'm done with that prediction. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So this brings us to the conclusion of the Summer Roundtable Series and just in time for Premier League football kicking back off again. It's a beautiful time of the season. Um, Patrick, any last thoughts? No, I'm all good. Well, on behalf of everyone at Prem De La Prem, we are signing off and we'll see you next time.
3: What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.